Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible. Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at Psalms 135 through 145. According to W. Robert Godfrey in his book, Learning to Love the Psalms, he categorizes Psalms 135 through 137 as celebrating in the face of God's enemies, and then Psalm 138 through 145 as celebrating the renewed kingship. As I've said before, Book 5 is full of praise, but we will still see lament and imprecatory in these sections. But what I love about that is that that is how life is. It's full of joys and sorrows, and sometimes at the same time. As my dad was dying, which took quite a few years, his dignity was ripped away, and this once strong man was now weak like a child. One minute, I'm pleading and crying out to God to please take my dad, please let him die, And then I have a moment of a good conversation and I learn something new about him. And then I cry out to God and said, thank you for not taking my dad yet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Joy and grief together. As I have said before, like Richard Foster has said, I am a jumbled mass of motives. Well, so are the psalmist and I bet you probably are too. Psalm 135 is an anonymous praise song. This psalm starts and ends with praise the Lord. The beginning has praise five times and the end has bless or blessed five times. Then in this psalm, we are to see the reason for our praise. Number one, the Lord is good, verse three. Number two, the Lord is great, verse five. Number three, the Lord is above all gods, verse five. The psalm talks of God's creative power, verses 6 and 7. And then in verses 8 through 12, the psalmist reviews Israel's history starting in Egypt and God's power and provision throughout. And then the taking of the land that God had promised them. Verses 13 and 14, the psalmist declares the name of the Lord is everlasting throughout all generations. Now we see that the Lord will judge his people and will have compassion on his servants, future tense. Verses 15 through 18 is like Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8. The psalmist describe idols and their characteristics. And then verse 18 re-says, those who make them will be like them. Yes, everyone who trusts in them. In Psalm 115, the writer includes Israel, the house of Aaron, and those who fear the Lord. But in Psalm 135, we have the house of Israel, the house of Aaron, which are the priests, plus the house of Levi, the temple people. Then you who fear the Lord, all those non-Jews that believe in the Lord God. And again, the Lord's plan was always to save people from all nations. And all these people are to bless the Lord. And the psalm ends with, Blessed be the Lord from Zion who dwells in Jerusalem, 
Praise the Lord. One more point. The Lord chose Jerusalem and the Jews in order to bring about his son Jesus into this world. One thing Godfrey points out in this chapter of this psalm is that, quote, Old Testament history is our history. The spiritual reality of enemies that seek to devour us is as true for Christians today as it was for Israel in the days of Sion and Og. This history is indeed significant to us, unquote. The reason is the same for us as it was the psalmist. If God was able to deliver back then, he can do it now. For our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Praise the Lord. Psalm 136 also shows the history of the nation Israel. But first, the psalmist praises God for his creation, verses 1 through 9. Then 10 through 15 is their history. And then verses 23 through 26 is God in the present, sort of. The psalmist uses the pronoun us, meaning those alive at the reading. And it shows how God was faithful to deliver them. Now with this psalm, it is antiphonal. It is alternating with the congregation. And they are to say, for his loving kindness, which is his hesed, that is that relational love that's full of mercy. For his loving kindness is everlasting. So, what I want to do, if you are able and willing, I will read the first part of each verse. And then you say, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And I hope that you actually say it out loud. Because, ladies, there is power in the spoken word of God. But before we start, the first line of the psalm is like the first line of Psalm 106, which is the last psalm of Book 4. The first line of Psalm 107, which is the first psalm of Book 5. And then Psalm 118, verse 1. All are anonymous, but it seems like he's the same anonymous writer for those psalms. So your part is, for his loving kindness is everlasting. I'll do the first one with you. Okay, here we go. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who made the heavens with skill. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule the day. The moon and stars to rule by night. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn. And brought Israel out from their midst. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. 
to him who led his people through the wilderness, to him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel his servant, who remembered us in our low estate, and has rescued us from our adversaries, who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Amen and amen. We have just proclaimed of God's loving kindness and how God has overcome the enemy. And now Psalm 137 is one of the darkest Psalms in all of the Bible. And it is written after 586 because the writer is in exile in Babylon. He is enslaved and he is in mourning. He remembers Jerusalem and he cries out. His captors demanded a song. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 3. Then verse 4. The psalmist asked the question, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? He prays that he does not forget Jerusalem and that he cries out for the Lord to remember the ones who tore down Jerusalem and to its foundation. And the one who gets you will be blessed. That, by the way, will be Persia. Then verse 9 says, How blessed will the one be who seizes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Keep in mind, this was what was done to Israel. And the psalmist is crying out for justice. I love that this is here. Why? Because this is a part of humanity. And he is being honest. And God can do something with honesty. And it's when we lie and try to fake it that God will do very little. Dr. Bett said in his Old Testament class, We are not to forget in the darkness what we know to be true in the light. What do we know to be true in the light? The Lord's loving kindness is everlasting. Reading this psalm, I think of the war in Ukraine and the devastation and the killing of the children. And my natural response is, God, get the guy who's doing this. The only way that we can love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, like Jesus says to do, is with the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Corey Tin Boone wrote The Hiding Place. She was born in the Netherlands during the time of World War II and the Nazis. Her family hid Jews and she was captured. After the war, she was speaking at a church telling of her experience and she noticed in the crowd one of her former guards. The natural feelings came upon her as would all of us. At the end of the service, she stood back at the doors with the pastor and the guard was coming up. And he was coming closer and she didn't know what to do. She said, I put my hand out to shake his. And when she did, 
God's forgiveness came upon her, and she cried out, I forgive you, brother, with all of my heart. The story continues. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. She says, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. It is because of the Lord's great love for us, that said love, that we can love others and forgive. But it's God who gets the credit, not us. We can only do that because of his work in our lives. Then the publishers, the people who put the Psalms in the order that we have, put after this psalm, eight psalms of David, the king whom God made his covenant that there will be an eternal kingdom from his line. As a reader, we see and we know that the captivity in Babylon only lasted 70 years. There is an end to the suffering and victory is coming. Psalm 138 is a psalm of thanksgiving. David will give thanks, sing praises, and bow down. David's assurance in the Lord is based on his word. Ladies, that's why it's so imperative that we read and know God's word. As we know and read it, just like David, God will make us bold with strength in our souls. Verse 3. Then in verse 4, we see that all the kings of the earth will give thanks. When we study the prophets, we will see that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon discovered who the God of Israel was, and he does exalt him. Daniel chapter 4 verse 3. The Lord has poured out his wrath on David's enemies. Then David declares in verse 8, The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. This Psalm of Lament, number 137, is in between Psalm 136, which over and over and over again declares the Lord's loving kindness is everlasting. And now King David does the same in Psalm 138. According to Godfrey, Psalm 138 assures God's people that a just judgment is coming. And we must not close our eyes to the dreadful reality of what judgment will mean. Psalm 139 is one of my all-time favorite psalms. It especially spoke to me in my teenage years when I struggled with my identity and am I an accident? This psalm tells us that God has purposely designed each one of us. None of us are accidents. Even if your parents didn't plan for you, God did. And you are not a mistake and you are special. In Psalm 139 verses 1 through 6 describe how in depth the Lord knows us. It's beyond comprehension. Verses 7 through 12 explain there is no place that we can go that is beyond his hand. Verses 13 through 16 confirm that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord. Verses 17 through 18 tells us we are constantly on God's mind. Verses 19 through 22, David cries out for the Lord to protect him and to fight his battles. And then verses 23 and 24, David prays for God to search and know his heart, 
to try it and to know his anxious thoughts. And ladies, we all have them. And I really like that last line. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. The King James Version calls it wicked, any wicked way in me. It can also mean painful or sorrowful. That way is different than the everlasting way, the Lord's way. It can be painful when the Lord reveals our wicked ways, but it is not harmful. It's like going to the dentist. It hurts, but it's good for you. It's not harmful. And that's what happens when we allow God to look inside and to reveal our sin. But as this psalm so clearly says, he loves us and all he does is for our good. Psalm 140 of David is a lament and imprecatory. Verses 1 through 3, David asks the Lord, rescue me and preserve me from evil men. Verses 4 and 5, David asks the Lord, keep me and preserve me from the wicked men. Verses 6 through 8, David acknowledges the Lord is God and asks to be heard. Verses 9 through 11, David tells God what he could do to the wicked. And lastly, verses 12 through 13, David professes the Lord fights for the afflicted and the poor. And because of that, the righteous will give thanks to your name. The upright will dwell in your presence. In Psalm 141, David asked the Lord to hear him when he calls and that his prayer would be pleasing to the Lord. My favorite verse is verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Oh, how I need this prayer. Ladies, do I hear an amen? I think I do. I just wrote this verse down on a sticky note and it's going with me today. The rest of this psalm is about people criticizing David and he declares that his eyes are toward you, O God, the Lord. It is the Lord that David takes refuge with. Then he cries, don't leave me defenseless, fight for me so that they fall into their own nets when I pass by safely. Psalm 142 says that David wrote this when he was in the cave. This was probably when King Saul was trying to kill him. This is a time of lament and sorrow for David. He cries out, makes supplication, pours out complaint, declares his trouble, and is overwhelmed. He then says, no one cares for my soul. Something to keep in mind. I don't think David ever was really alone. First, he had Jonathan, his best friend. And then when he ran away, he had his fighting men go with him. When David says, no one cares for my soul, it's not a true statement, but it is how David felt. Plus, anytime we say no one or everyone, etc., chances are that it's not a true statement. It's more like most people or some people, that has a tendency to be more true. But David did feel that way, just like we feel that way sometimes. But one key for us is that we need to do our best to live in truth when our world is shaking. David continues in verses 5 through 7. David cries out to the Lord. And then verse 7 says, Bring my soul out of prison so I may praise your name. Not his body in prison, but his inside, his soul is in prison. 
And sometimes it's our soul that's in the shackles. The best thing to do is cry out to the Lord when you feel like that. And remember, with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been set free from the shackles. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 say, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Psalm 143, David says his spirit is overwhelmed in this lament psalm. David asked the Lord to hear my prayer, give ear to my request and answer me. In verses 5 and 6, David remembers God's doing in the past and he longs for the Lord. Verses 7 through 9, David prays, answer me quickly. Do not hide your face. Deliver me. And for me, verse number 5 is the key verse of this chapter. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk. For to you I lift up my soul. The Lord's way truly brings wisdom. Then verses 10 through 12 begin, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. And then the psalm ends with a cry for God to get his enemies. Psalm 144 starts and ends with blessed. Verse 1, blessed be the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war. One thing to think about, when David first fought Goliath, he did not have armor and he didn't even take a sword with him because he was not used to that, but he was used to the Lord fighting for him. But by the time David was king, he was trained for war and battle and he was mighty because again the Lord was with him. David describes the Lord as my rock, my loving kindness, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, and my refuge. Then David, in verses 3 and 4, recognized life as a mere breath, a passing shadow. So David calls God to action. Bow your heavens, come down, touch the mountain, make them smoke, flash lightning and scatter it, send your arrows and confuse the enemy. Stretch forth your hand, rescue me, deliver me. Verse 7b and verse 8 are the same as verse 11. Rescue me and deliver me out of the hands of the alien, whose mouth speaks deceit and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Also, in verses 9 through 11, we see David the king singing a new song because the Lord gives salvation to kings and because he rescued David his servant from the evil sword. The psalm ends with verses 12 through 15. We see the Lord's blessing on his sons, daughters, storehouses, flocks, cattle, and peace in the streets. Then how blessed are the people who are so situated. How blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Our last Psalm of David, number 145, is an acrostic with one letter left out, noon. That's why there are only 21 verses. It is mainly a Psalm of praise. Verses 1 through 7 are praises to the Lord by David, by one generation to another, and by the men. 
In verses 8 through 13, David mentions different attributes of God. The Lord is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness, good to all, and mercies are over all. And then God's word speaks thanksgiving, blessing, glory, and power. And the Lord's kingdom is everlasting, and the Lord's dominion endures throughout all generations. Verses 14 through 16, the Lord sustains, raises the lowly, provides and satisfies. And then the last group, verses 17 through 21, the Lord is righteous, kind and near to those who call on him in truth. He will fulfill and hear. The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. David says, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. So ladies, do you hear God's voice speaking to you today? If so, please don't harden your hearts like the wicked for whom judgment is coming. Instead, let's be women who call on him in truth, who love him and who pray and obey. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.